The guests on Love Hurts occasionally use some adult language and go into some more intense subject matter, but that's kind of how real life works anyway. This is Love Hurts. I'm Brian Berlin. As a celebration of the 100th episode of this podcast, I wanted to go back and check in with some of the guests whose stories stuck with me over the past few years. In this episode, I'm checking in with Richard Cardillo, whose original episode was one of the first that I ever recorded. My story starts when I first came out of the closet. I was a 30-year-old virgin coming out of a monastery. I've told many stories about that before. And I was new to the, the gay world. I had no idea how to act, how to date. So I was learning. And right away, I met a guy, Gustavo, who I really fell for. And within two dates, we ended up sleeping together. Now, you heard my background was in a monastery. Being a good Catholic, I always believed, gay or straight, it didn't matter, that the first person you ever had sexual relations with was the person you stayed with for the rest of your life. That was it. You were bonded now. Um, I guess, you know, when I reflect back on that, my Catholicism wasn't too valid because had I been thinking at the time after I slept with Gustavo is the first man I ever would have slept with would have condemned me to the hellfires. Richard had a few experiences in Peru trying to date, but kept falling into a similar pattern. Richard would introduce his new fling to a friend, and his fling would leave Richard for that friend. Richard felt like he was cursed. And I really kept going back to that gay shame and internal guilt that I always felt that this is what you get for living a lifestyle that is against God's plan for you. <laughs> I was living a bad, bad life. And this was what I get for living a bad life. That Gustavo and Matt were going to end up together and leave me this bitter old man. And I really thought I was going to be this bitter old man. I actually made the decision that if I wanted to come out as an out and proud gay man, I had to leave the country. I loved teaching down there. I had spent 10 years of my life down there, but it was time to come back to the United States. So Richard moved to New York City, but continued having tough luck in the dating scene. He still felt so new to dating in general, and he was about to give up on it. I, I would say the big change for me happened. It was about a year after that. I stopped dating altogether. Um, I just did not want to go out with any guy on an exclusive level. And one night I was out with these bunch of friends from where I did my volunteer work at a bar. And a guy came up to me. And he started talking. And then I started talking back and got interested. But he kind of said, listen, I'm really tired. I'm leaving. Bye. He left. Four days later, I'm sitting at a very popular coffee shop in Chelsea. It used to be called Big Cup. And it was like a big cruising area. And I'm sitting there grading papers, and he walks in, and he comes right up to the table. He said, I owe you an apology. My name is Peter, and I just had a really bad day at work, so I started talking to you and then ended the conversation. But I'd like to ask you out on a date. Long story, very short, we fell in love. He, this was the guy I was with for 18 years. Richard got to experience 18 years of happiness with Peter before he lost him in 2012. I've been widowed for the last five years, and I'm back to dating again. I started the story by talking about this is kind of, I know people say it's just a number, but turning 60 this year is kind of making me think an awful lot. For gay men especially, getting older is really uncharted territories. Firstly, my age group, we lost a generation. We lost them. Relationships broke up. People weren't together. 
it just didn't happen. Now, I look at the younger generation of you know, out and proud gay men especially, gay women as well, but gay men especially, and I look at how comfortable they are with their identities, with their relationships, with the fluidity of how they go in and out. And that was a word that I promised at the age of 60 that I was going to introduce back into my life, being fluid. Um, because up until about the age of 35, I thought being fluid meant using lubricant in bed, but nothing else <laughs> other than that. So I'm committed now to being fluid, being open, uh, being ready for any possibility that comes my way. And that's how our conversation ended. We were mainly reflecting on Richard's past, but it just felt like there was this big ellipsis to the conversation. As Richard was about to turn 60 and was open to finding love again, but wasn't sure where that journey was going to take him. What's funny is that almost right after I finished talking to Richard for my podcast, he started talking to Mark Pagan, producer and host of the podcast Other Men Need Help. Other Men Need Help share stories about men and male relationships, and they wanted to follow Richard as he attempted to date at 60. And so I called up Mark and asked him why he wanted to do this story on Richard. The thought was like, this is just, I think this is just like a beautiful field study in dating as an older man. Like, I think that's a really interesting thing. It's very human. Most people relate to the idea of being alone, you know, sort of that fear of being alone. And Richard, as as I'm sure you would agree, he's such a gregarious personality. He's such an open book. And also he's lovely. Like you meet him and you you it's very hard not to have some feeling of falling in love with him. Um, but on a human level, I'm like, dude, that's hard. Like I, it's hard enough dating at any point in your life, but let alone, let alone age. Um, and then also I like the baggage of, of grief and like the, the baggage of a heartbreak, you know, regardless of, of what happens, you know, if your partner doesn't die, but just like general heartbreak, uh, like this would be really engaging time spent with somebody and this like this survey of their life. And then beyond that, he was like willing. He was game. He was like, yeah. And so Mark started to follow Richard. And one of the first things he wondered was how Richard looked at dating at the age of 60. I don't see myself as a 60 year old man still. I feel like I had a late start. I feel like, well, if you started at 35, when most people started at 16, technically take 15 years off of that. So really, you're only 45, Richard. I mean, that doesn't work. I'm ready. I'm ready. I want to date. I want to see if I could have a deep relationship with another person. Richard threw himself back into the dating world. He signed up for dating apps, and after every date, he checked in with Mark about how things went. He talked an awful lot about his mother. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that was a little bit of a red flag for you. And he looked at me and said, well, Richard, it was great meeting you. And he walked out. I'm like, what the fuck, Chuck? <laughs> I'm like, I think this date is over. This is not the one. This is not the one. This is not the one. He's a smoker. Mark, I don't know about that. Richard was not having a lot of luck dating. In fact, when I recently spoke with Richard, he looked back on this time documented by Mark and remembers being so close to giving up on dating altogether. I had kind of given up on dating. I had tried all the dating apps. It just wasn't working. So what I did was just say, I'm quitting this and 
If somebody has somebody to introduce me to, maybe my life will take off in that direction. When I quit my last dating app, it said you still have till the end of the month for people to send you mail or you send mail out to them. And that's when I heard from a guy. I love everything about what happens next. And it's even more amazing that Mark was doing this podcast and was able to capture exactly what Richard was experiencing as it was happening in his life. In the midst of a week that has been hellish, I had this really, really hopeful date. He's 70 years old, and he's a good, really nice guy. What makes name it, is Joel. Joel or Joe? Joel. Okay. And what, what constitutes being a really nice guy? Just, he was really intent on what I was saying. He listened so well. He laughed at all of my jokes. Richard felt so good about his first date with Joel that he even met up with Mark to talk more about it in person. Richard was drawn to two things about Joel. The first was how easy it was to laugh with him. And we had an insider joke the first the first date. I mean, it was so funny. We were just getting ready to finish up. He said, I just got to know, what do you want me to call you, Rich or Richard? I want you to call me Vanessa. <laughs> We fucking howled. We just laughed over it. So when he texted me, he said, I feel like I've known you for so long. I'd like to do this again. I said, I'm right behind you. You know, I went right back to him with the text. I felt like a school kid again, you know, texting like these mo- these damn millennials. I was texting. But then I said, it was so great meeting you. I cannot wait to see you again. Thanks so much, Vanessa. And he wrote me right back. He said, I needed to laugh like you just made me laugh today. The other thing that really drew Richard to Joel was that, like Richard, Joel had lost a partner too. He is a widower, widower as well. His partner died in 2015, so he's been a widower for three years. The first thing that hit me is this guy was in a relationship with the same man for 34 years. So he knows the ins and outs. It was just so easy to talk about our partners in the 60s and meeting and trying to make ends meet, and him going through the late 70s, early 80s as this city was going through shitty times, and I understood right where he was coming from, and it just all made sense to me. And then when he got onto his partner, uh, it made even more sense. I mean, he was with his partner for 34 years, and he was a caregiver for like the last three or four years of the guy's life. Richard was actually sharing all this with Mark right before his second date with Joel. And there was one thing on his mind before Richard and Joel were about to meet. I am anxious to find out if this date's going to start or end with the first kiss. Because <laughs> the first one ended with a very, really lovely prolonged hug. And that was where Mark left Richard on his journey to finding love. So when Richard and I caught up again recently, I asked him to pick up where Mark left off in September of 2018. I will cut right to the chase. That was... In 20, September 2018. And we have been married since this last January 19th of a pandemic year. So Joel and I met in 2018, married in 2020. And the wedding date was January 19th. And about three weeks after the wedding was when the shit hit the fan. <laughs> so... We canceled any honeymoon plans we had, and we moved up to a small little place that we have up in the Catskill Mountains, 
and we have been on a pandemic honeymoon since then. So this has been very interesting seismic shifts in the world and in my relationship. Been very, very fun. Um, it really is the greatest way in the world to start a marriage. Uh, Joel and I are just loving rural life and missing New York City even more than we love rural life. Joel has been a Brooklynite for at least 50 years of his life. So um, it was only about eight months before the wedding that he moved in to the apartment that I had on the Lower East Side. And that kind of was the first clue I had that this was true love because he gave up a rent-controlled apartment. And then we moved up to the Catskills. So he's lived in this weekend place even longer than he lived in on the Lower East Side. I asked Richard if there was anything we talked about in our first conversation that he's thought about since his relationship with Joel began. One of the other things I talked about in the episode that I did with you a couple of years ago was that idea of seeing where love takes you. I remember talking a, an awful lot about that, seeing where love takes you. And that's kind of what this whole hibernation quarantining has been for us. It's where is love going to take us next? And it's a lot of talking. It's a lot of laughing. I don't think there's a day that goes by where we just don't let Joel's an extremely funny guy who writes extremely funny, absurd, crazy plays. So it's just been very, very interesting. And he's retired. So not a big change for him other than he has really gotten more creative. He's a playwright by trade. And he's just completed and had his first Zoom readings of an exceptionally hysterical comedy. It's all about an ancient cult of aliens that turn into alligators when they're sexually aroused. So, so we've tried role-playing those. We've tried doing some improv with that kind of stuff. So it's been a very interesting time to kind of see where love goes. That's what we're doing. Um, we joke that, you know, we're both on in years. So what I talked about in that first episode was, uh, you know, looking for love in my 60s. And Joel, I mean, I was with my partner for 18 years. Joel was with his partner for 34 years. So, yeah, it was just amazing. And he passed on in 2015. So we were both widows. We both kind of had that in common. But we were both, you know, somewhat advanced in years. Um, so the big joke now is, yes, we have plenty of time on our own. We have plenty of time for honeymoon lovemaking. But at our age, lovemaking always follows this same, I guess, ritual. We always start with a Viagra and we always end with an Aleve. It's just, it's, <laughs> we realize we ain't young spry kids anymore. Finding love at 60 is totally different than finding it at 30. That extra 30 years of experience brings a whole new perspective to what love is. I asked Richard what new lessons he's learned about love since meeting Joel. Something I learned this time around is uh, there really, there's just not enough room when you're having a great time with somebody. There's not enough room for envy. There's not enough room for scared feelings like this might not last. This might last. Is this the one? I think age takes care of that. So I wasn't as concerned about that. And one thing I learned is you just, I, I just, 
didn't leave as much room anymore for worrying and the wondering and the anxiety. What if this isn't it? What if it's just, we don't have time for that stuff. We just don't. I remember the first time I met Joel. I was at a storytelling show and noticed Richard on the other side of the room. When he saw me, he excitedly waved his arms, beckoning me over towards him. He was so excited to introduce me to Joel and seeing them together made my heart warm. Mark still thinks about how amazing and unbelievable it was that he got to document Richard finding love for the second time. It's still, once we released the episode, we thought like, that didn't happen, that didn't happen. And then, you know, they got married. It's like, it's really, it's lovely. It's, it's a, it is a fairy tale ending that we couldn't have produced. And it is like a nice, it's a nice working in nonfiction and pointing to things sometimes. I mean, like there are very positive endings or positive next steps in life. Uh, and also later in life too. I remember when we spoke it during my last episode, um, I talked all, an awful lot about leaving space in my life after widowhood for love and connections with other people. And a lot of that was in theory. I took this very laissez-faire approach and, you know, maybe it holds true that concept that people have is when you're least looking for love is when you find love. But this, I mean, I do remember answering, you know, he wrote to me and he said, I see you're a storyteller and I'm a storyteller of my own in many ways. I write plays and we met for a coffee and I don't think I had this experience in the last 30 years, but there were sparks right from the beginning. I mean, this was scary. I remember after that first date, calling up a friend and saying, I think something very, very significant just happened. And it just snowballed from there. It just went on and our lives kind of like overlapped in beautiful ways from there when we weren't looking for it, either of us. Richard and Joel are still enjoying their quarantine honeymoon at their home in upstate New York but they're looking forward to moving back to their apartment in the Lower East Side in July. This is how we love. This is how we fight for something that's right. Love Hurts is produced hosted and edited by Brian Berlin. Theme music by Mickey Hommel. Additional music in this episode by Blue Dot Sessions. And a huge thank you to Mark Pagan for letting me use the audio from his podcast and taking some time to talk to me about Richard. You can find Other Men Need Help and hear the whole episode of Richard Looking for Love, as well as a ton of other great episodes wherever you get your podcasts. Show art by Caroline Mallon. You can find Love Hurts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like the show, rate and review it on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend about it. You can find Love Hurts on Twitter and Instagram at lovehurtspod, and our website is lovehurtspod.com. I'm Brian Berlin, and this is Love Hurts. Love Hurts.